Welcome to Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. It's amazing what some interviews reveal to you so long after the events actually passed that you can actually look back and say, how on earth did they think that? And how did they think that that would have been a better idea than what actually damn well happened? Well, we had that kind of interview today with Justin Langer, who revealed in an interview today that last year during the Ashes tour, during the second test against England at Lords, when Steve Smith was uh, ruled out of the rest of the game through concussion after being hit in the head by Jofra Archer, that they weren't sure who they were going to use to replace Steve Smith in the second innings. And that it came down to a decision between either Manus Lavishagni or Mitch Marsh. Now, I'm hoping that everybody out there is thinking exactly the same thing as me, which is, are you kidding me? Mitch Marsh instead of Marnus Labashagni? Now, for a start, Labashagni, Labashane, Labaskakni, however you want to say it, and I'll probably use all three in this particular interview, depending on how crazy I get about it. But I still can't believe that they were tossing up between Marnus and Mitch Marsh. And it came down to apparently uh, a net session where Marnus was facing the three Australian fast bowlers and he was being well and truly bounced and he was ducking and weaving out of the way and Langer came down and asked him how he was going and he just said, not a problem, get me in there, let me at him. And so they decided to go with Marnus. Has anyone else seen the movie Sliding Doors? Because that film, which isn't great, that uh, had Gwyneth Paltrow in it, which is pretty much the only reason anyone actually watched it, I think, in the first place, came down to her decision to either get on a train or miss the train. And the movie then split into two from that point. It showed both sides what happened if she actually got onto the train and what happens when she didn't get on the train. Well, this was Australia's sliding door moment because, as it turned out, Marnus Labaskakni ended up playing in that test match in the second innings and he got collected first ball by Joffrey Archer. And yet he jumped up straight away, shook it off, said he was okay, and he went on to make a half century, which not only saved that match for Australia, he then got cheated out when the umpires decided that he had that Root had caught the ball that had clearly not been taken cleanly and yet was claimed by Joe Root, fairly or unfairly, which then went to the third umpire and the third umpire decided that it was out. So I really believe that the combination of not only the guts and determination that Marnus showed, combined with the fact that Australia well, would have felt that he had been cheated out of that innings, helped to galvanise Australia to eventually retain the Ashes. Now, what would have happened 
if Mitch Marsh had been the person who'd been brought in. And goodness knows whether you would have batted at three or not. Surely <laughs> not. But if he hadn't, who else is going to bat there? Head? Wade? I mean, Tim Payne? So if they end up picking Marsh to bat for Stu Smith, what happens? Does Marsh not get hit by that first ball because he's taller or he's out of the way? Does he play as well? Does he show the same resolve and character and grind out that half century that helped to save that game? Surely no one believes that that happens. Every scenario that involves Mitch Marsh coming into this match through a crystal ball all result in Australia losing that test. It means that we, instead of going to the third test 1-0 up, we go to the third test at 1-1. And what happens then? What happens then with Headingley? Does the, the magical Headingley debacle still happen? Does Australia get rolled, you know, get rolled in the palms, then get rolled for nothing? Does Australia make a million runs? Does you know, maybe that doesn't happen. But at one one in that third test, England are back in the series and they go to that test believing they're in the series. So we also still don't have Steve Smith batting in that test. It makes it feel much more likely that England win that test and they go two 0 one lead into the fourth test. And would Australia have recovered from that? Could they have won that fourth test and then gone to the fifth test at 2-2? If they go to the fifth test at 2-2, does Tim Payne still win the toss and, and bowl? I mean, that's everything you think about. You just think that that one moment changes and Australia go from drawing the test series, which retains the ashes, to at best drawing the series but more likely losing the series. And then from there, what happens then? Has Labuschagne come into that team afterwards? I mean, it doesn't seem likely, does it? I mean, Kawaja is there. He probably, even though he wasn't batting well, does he still continue in the team? Or do they bring Manus in to replace him? You just can't see that they're going to, without that innings that he showed he could bat, that they're going to bring Marnus into that team at all. So then not only affects that Ashes, it affects last season. Because that means Labuschagne hasn't had, well, there you go, Labuschagne, Labuschagne, Marnus. Doesn't get that opportunity. So does that mean he's not playing last summer? And think of the innings we would have missed from last summer. That, that he, like He's averaged 63 or something with the bat since he's come into the team again. So we've missed all that. So not by pl- not playing at Lords. We won't, we'll have lost Marnus. He, he goes back to being a Shield player at best and maybe he doesn't make all his runs and maybe he's out of the Shield team. And then who comes in? Well, if it's like every other selection decision that's made, Sean Marsh comes in and displaces his brother and gets his 72nd opportunity in test matches for Australia last summer. He's Pakistan. Then maybe he makes runs. But what if he doesn't? Where would we be right now? With the test matches starting in a month's time, if Manus Labuskakni has not played that test match, I shudder to think because you know we've lost the Ashes. Maybe we beat Pakistan. I reckon New Zealand are going to be much more competitive against us because Manus really just ground them into the dust. So maybe we don't win as well. Maybe we're coming in against India again, and we're thinking, holy heck, we're going to get our asses kicked. 
Sliding doors moment. Let's not forget it. Just remember, Mitch Marsh almost played that second test against England. Here's something to have a giggle about or get cranky about, depending on your mood. I um, I think I got angry about it more than anything else. Um, three things. Three things to do with the NRL that have all happened in the last sort of 24 hours. The NRL has announced its draw for the first round uh, of the 2021 season. So they're coming back on Thursday, March the 11th. Now, we've just had the 2020 season. Now, I know there was a little gap in the middle, you know, and we all know it was through COVID and all that kind of stuff. And But we've just had this season has just stretched into mid-November. Like, we're halfway through November and the season's only just finished. So we had the final series all the way through October and then we had the three State of Origins on three consecutive Wednesdays. So in the process, the NRL and, to be fair, the AFL as well, have moved well into territory that is historically cricket season. And look, yes, the NRL has started in mid-March now for, I don't know, how many years? And whatever it is, it's too many years. I mean, mid-March, for so many reasons, is the wrong time to be starting rugby league. Taking that out of the equation, given the length of the season we've just gone into, why not just delay it for a couple of weeks? Allow the seasons to return to a point where there is a defined line between them, between summer and winter. And if for no other reason than to give the players an opportunity to get a decent rest that they deserve after such a torrid season. It's beyond belief that you know we're... The season's only just over, and yet already they've started planning for next season, and players are probably already at pre-season training saying, oh, we've got to do this and we've got to do that. (sighs) But anyway, no, the NRL's decided to preempt everything, and not only have they announced that first-round draw, they've jumped in before the AFL gets in. Um, The A-League has only just announced their draw for the start, which is going to be um, after Christmas. Um, but Peter Volandis is very upfront and he's being very proactive and I'm sure that everybody who think that rugby league is their favourite sport probably think it's a great idea but honestly let's give the cricket season a chance to even start before we even start considering what's going to happen with the next NRL season anyway moving on let's go on with the next part so the next part is that in that draw, the Brisbane Broncos are playing the Parramatta Eels as the 8 o'clock game on the Friday night. Really? Again? With Brisbane and Friday night games? It's just absolutely ludicrous. We spent all season this season now, and it was worse than ever before. Brisbane played, I don't know how... I, I, I'm not even going to bother looking or telling you. Most of you out there will know. But I'll tell you, it felt like every damn Friday night 
we had to watch Brisbane play. And that's made worse because they had such a crap season. So not only do we already, well, I shouldn't say we, I would say certain people do not enjoy watching the Broncos play, we had to watch them lose and play terribly most of the season. Surely the 8 o'clock Friday night game, given there are three games shown on free-to-air every weekend, so it's a Thursday night, a Friday night, and a Sunday afternoon. Now, surely the Friday night game should be the best game of the round if it's got to be on free-to-air, and surely Channel 9 themselves would want that. But it never is, because all they are doing in that 8 o'clock game is making sure that a Queensland team plays. Now, they never show the Titans, for goodness sakes. We're not going to do that, because (laughs) no one's going to watch the Titans. So it's generally it's the Broncos. And then after the Broncos, if the Cowboys are doing well, well, we can slot them in occasionally too. But more than anything else, it's that Brisbane Broncos team to get the viewers in. So what we're saying, or what sorry, what Channel 9 is saying is that Brisbane viewers are more important than every other state's viewers. Well, okay, let's be honest here and just say New South Wales viewers, because no one else in the country is watching Rugby League at 8 o'clock on a Friday night because it's shuffled off onto one of Channel 9's other channels and the rest of the country are watching the 8, eight o'clock AFL game. So Brisbane viewers are more important than New South Wales viewers. And even so, it's a joke that the rest of the country should have to sit through Broncos matches every Friday night just to appease the viewers of Queensland and a ratings push. Now, it's just... So obvious. I mean, as a New South Wales resident and as a person who will watch the Broncos occasionally, but I'm not, I refuse to watch the Broncos every damn Friday night. I don't care about the Broncos. It just, I mean, I know, I know it, this comes across as, as a biased view to say that we shouldn't have to watch so many Brisbane games, but isn't it the same the other way around? If the Broncos aren't playing, then the Brisbane viewers say, well, we should be able to see more Brisbane Broncos games on free-to-air. Now, essentially, what we are doing, or what Channel 9 is doing, by having Brisbane play on a Friday night every single week, you are driving New South Wales viewers either to pay TV or to the AFL. Because... They're just not going to watch them every week. And I don't know what the ratings were for last season. I, I don't have that information. I don't care enough to, to look it up. But you can't tell me that those ratings were excellent for all those games because not only is it the fact that the Broncos were on every week, but they were losing every week. So the viewers that they were trying to bring in from Brisbane shortly were turning off if their team was, as they did, finished with a wooden spoon. So we're stuck with it again. First game cab off the rank on a Friday night at 8 o'clock is going to be the Brisbane Broncos playing. And, you know, (laughs) well, Parra's playing, so I guess I'll be watching it. But if if you're not a Parramatta fan, are you really going to watch Broncos against the Eels? Or are you going to turn over and watch the AFL? Whoever it is. The AFL's not on at that stage. So what are you going to do? Go for a drink? after COVID, or are you going to just watch a movie? I can't see a successful ratings 
victory for Channel 9 in 2021 if they continue to overblow Friday nights with the Broncos. They've got to do something different, surely. So then comes the third point for the day. So Peter Volandis has come out this afternoon and he's going to try and bully the New South Wales government into giving $800 million in funding for four suburban ground upgrades. So he wants $200 million bucks for each of those four grounds. And he's threatening to take away the grand final from Sydney and take it to Brisbane if the government refuses. So we're playing blackmail with the government now. We're going to say, unless you give us lots of money to fix up suburban grounds, we'll take the grand final of Brisbane. Well, is that really a threat? I know there are people who go to the grand final. I know there are people who like to go to the grand final every year. But if there is, are you not going to go because it's in Brisbane? Or are you thinking, you beauty, I've got a weekend away. I'll go to Brisbane anyway and I'll have a lovely time. I don't understand how they think that changes things. If they think it's because, oh, we make tourist dollars out of the grand final being in Sydney and we attract people to Sydney for the grand final, well, is that really going to affect it? Is it really going to affect things that much? Because if people are coming to Sydney, they're going to the grand final. What else are they going to do? That's he's, I think it's a... It's probably not a hollow threat. Um, and it, look, it doesn't worry me because I haven't been to a grand final. I don't have any need to go to a grand final. I'm quite happy to sit at home and drink my own beer out of the fridge that I've paid a dollar fifty a bottle for than go to the footy and pay eight or nine bucks for lukewarm mid-strength beer out of plastic. So to me, it don't, I couldn't give a damn where the grand final's played. If it's going to be played in Brisbane... That's fine. But I think it's going to, the Broncos are going to magically make the grand final this year so they get an unfair advantage by being in Brisbane. Maybe one year they will. But that's fine because it's been in Sydney for so long and Sydney teams have supposedly had a, a, uh, an advantage there. Didn't help Penrith this year. So who gives a rat's ass? I just I think it's a really terrible look for the head of the NRL to go and threaten the government that he will take the showpiece away from their city if they don't give him a whole lot of money to go to suburban grounds. Now, this should have been done years ago. Suburban grounds should have been renovated and, and had games put there years ago. There is simply no sense in constantly playing at the SFS, uh, which is being done by the government anyway, and then... Uh, the Olympic Stadium, which is also going to get renovated already, if you're not going to draw 60,000 crowds. And Rugby League just isn't going to do that. In Brisbane, that's great. They've got one team. So if they're doing well, you might get 40,000 there. You might get 50,000 there. What club team in Sydney is going to draw more than 20,000 spectators? There's no club that's going to do that. The only club that gets close is the Tigers when they play at Leichhardt. It's the only one that gets close. All the big clubs struggle to draw crowds. Parramatta does now because they've got a new stadium and they're doing okay. If they fall off again next year, which is always a chance, are you going to get 20000 to go to Bankwest Stadium? 
I don't think so. Are the Panthers going to continue to draw big crowds? Maybe, because they're a original Sydney team, so they can do that. But no team. It's not like the AFL. It's not like Collingwood, who draw 50,000 in the MCG when they're playing like nobody, but then suddenly draw 80,000 when they're playing Carlton or Essendon or Hawthorne, Geelong. All of those Melbourne clubs have fanatical followings and they flock to the MCG to go see them. Rugby League doesn't have that. It never has and it never will. And it should go back to being played at home grounds. South Sydney should not be playing at Homebush. South Sydney should be playing at Redfern Oval. Now, maybe that's what Volandis wants. Maybe that's what he's looking for. He wants to renovate. I don't know because I didn't look enough into it. But the Roosters playing out of a, out of a renovated SFS are not going to draw 45,000 people. They're going to draw 15,000 people, the same as they always have. Manly aren't going to draw 20,000 people at Brookvale. Any team that comes has been using ANZ, like the West Tigers, always do well at Leichhardt. Don't really do well anywhere else. The Bulldogs, been at the bottom of the ladder for a few years now, if they start going well again, they will draw people and they should be playing at a place like Belmore. That's the kind of thing you want to see. The Sharks play at their home ground. The Dragons have about four home grounds and for goodness sakes, I mean, I know that the joint venture is as it is and they're stuck between like Wollongong and, and Cogra, but um, really, do they draw enough at Cogra to not play more games at Wynn Stadium? I don't know. Too many home grounds for the Dragons. It's crazy. So Volandis coming out and, and asking for this money and threatening to take away the grand final, to me, and I, I still think to most rugby league followers, it's an empty threat. Does anyone really care if they take the grand final away from Sydney? It's not going to change me because I'm going to still be sitting here at home watching it with beer. So they can play it wherever they damn well choose. Honestly, let's 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 be honest. How messed up is Collingwood at draft time? Now, I have been a lifelong Collingwood supporter, and we live with the good and the bad. But this is really the ugly that we've reached now, and it's made much more difficult when you have a president who is so vocal about other things. And then we have what happened to Collingwood during this uh, this trade period and we don't get any information and it's so terrible. Um, now, look, I think as a supporter, we all understand that we had three or four years under Nathan Buckley where we struggled, but we were more or less uh, in hope that we were all going to come through and work Buckley's way. It seemed like the players were on Buckley's side. So when it came to the end of 2017, when it, it felt as though Buckley was going to either have to resign or get pushed out, and he didn't, he got re-signed, all the players were behind that, or at least all the senior players were. So 
as a supporter, we felt that the players believed in what he was saying, so we had to believe that some good was going to come. And you could see that the club went in hard and, and overloaded for like 2018, 2019, 2020 uh, when it came to drafting and trading. Uh, they went in hard in order to force a window to try and win a premiership. Now, 2018, uh, look, it was probably out of nowhere really, but Collingwood made the grand final and led pretty much for the entire match except for the last 100 seconds. So that was very hard to take as a supporter, but you could at least see that the result was there. 2019 came along. Uh, we finished in the, the top four. We we won our semi-final. We had the week off. We played GWS in the preliminary final in a match that everyone thought Collingwood was going to win. And then GWS jumped out of the gates and did everything, and then Collingwood came home with a wet sail, probably still should have won, and fell three points short. So we missed out on a grand final that we absolutely should have made and that, I believe, rightly or wrongly, we would then have absolutely challenged Richmond uh, in, a, in a massive grand final. 2020, Collingwood has not handled COVID well. They have not handled many parts of the bubble well or any of that kind of stuff. Um, scraped into the eight, into eighth spot. Played their grand final against West Coast in that first semi-final and beat West Coast in Perth in what was a terrific game of football. But then just absolutely failed to show up the next week against Geelong and Geelong just tore them apart. So now we get to the trade period and we discover that the club has massive, massive salary cap issues. And they had to find a way out of it. But the problem was they did it so poorly through a lack of clear communication with the media even though President Eddie Maguire appears on about 17 TV and radio programs every week. And then supporters are left wondering, what the hell is going on? We lose Jaden Stevenson and Adam Trelaw, amongst others. Both of those on the last day of trading. Trelaw, apparently, at the last 30 seconds of the trade period, was signed away. And these are players that supporters didn't want to see go, and the players didn't want to go but we were forced out by the club because of, well, what we find out is massive salary cap problems. And to make it worse, not only did we get no decent draft picks in the bargain, even though we were told by certain people that came out and spoke before Buckley came out and spoke, they said, oh, we're doing it to get into the draft, but we didn't get any picks in the draft. They're all low-level ones for next year or third round or it's, it was a waste of time and not only that we're going to be paying half a Trelaw's salary for the next four or five years so we're not really saving that much money we might be saving half his salary but we're still going to pay half of it to another club and absolutely our premiership window is now closed it doesn't matter the players we still have left and we still have some very good players, and we've still got a very good team, but not we don't have anywhere near the depth. We've got um, players who are reaching the end of their career, who have been terrific players for us, but can't be expected to be the giants that they were. And the players that we were expecting were going to be our leaders have had a pretty ordinary 2020. Now, 
everything, you know, we can go into COVID, we can go into bubbles, and we can use that as excuses. But the point is, is that those players just didn't stand up. Now, we don't know, probably until this time next year, to be honest, just how bad or good we could go. Collingwood could be a finals contender again this year. It could make the finals and they could do well. And then everything that's happened in the last sort of four or five weeks, we'll all look back and say, eh, oh, well, maybe that didn't matter. But it could be absolutely savage and desolate. And with, like I said, without picks to go into the draft, without people to trade in for, uh, Collingwood look like we're going to be pushing up the bottom of the table for a couple of years in order to recover from that. And I don't know how... I don't know how Buckley survives that. I don't know how um, Maguire survives that if that's what happens because it looks like it was really poor management. On the other side of the coin, let's look at GWS. GWS have had Jeremy Cameron go out and say that he wanted to leave the club and that he wanted to go to Geelong. All in good, I suppose. He's free agency and he can explore other options. He's probably felt himself that uh, GWS's premiership window has closed and that he wants to go to a premiership contender um, while he's still got a few years left of good football in him. And fair enough. So Geelong have gone in, along with three or four other players, I might tell you, and they've offered Jeremy a very good deal. Now, generally, once a club offers a player a deal in free agency, it never gets matched. And so then it just comes down to an arrangement between the clubs as to whether there's draft picks involved or players exchanged or whatever it is. But no, GWS went in hard and they matched the offer for Jeremy Cameron, which meant that Geelong had to go away and they had to try again. Now, that turned out for GWS by they eventually, uh, Jeremy Cameron agreed to an offer with Geelong, but the GWS Giants got three first-round draft picks for him. So unlike Collingwood, who have lost good players but have got nothing for it and end up paying more for it, GWS have gone out and they've lost a good player, but they've got three first-round draft picks to go into the draft with and pick up the best young kids. It doesn't matter that people are already saying, oh, this is the worst-looking draft in 20 years and all that kind of crap. It doesn't matter. This is the GWS strategy. We get in, we get the good kids, we build them up, and then we look to win again. Now, not only that, they picked up Jesse Hogan from Fremantle. Now, he's a troubled star, I suppose you could say. Uh, he's been to two clubs now and he's sort of had his problems, but at least he's a forward to try and replace Cameron. And they got him cheap because he wanted to get out, Fremantle wanted to get rid of him, and he didn't want much in return. So at least GWS have set themselves up to be able to improve on next year, and on this year, where they you know, made a grand final and then they failed to make the eight which is a disappointing year for them. But their trend is up. Collingwood are trending very, very backwards. Was State of Origin influenced to ensure Queensland won to save league coverage for 2021. Controversial, you might say? Is it really? Or am I just being a really disgruntled Blues supporter? 
I don't know. But I, I honestly, you look at the season that happened and the three Queensland teams all had, well, most had seasons to forget. Broncos finished dead last for the first time in their history. Cowboys couldn't win a thing. And the Titans improved, but you know, still finished in the bottom half of the ladder. So for Queensland supporters this year in rugby league, in the year of COVID, there was absolutely nothing to support. So do you start losing people people with interest or do you start losing viewers or members because all three Queensland teams had such awful years? And how do you make sure that that doesn't happen? Well, could you say that the Origin series was scripted to bring joy to the Maroons to ensure there's hope for next season for their other three teams? You know what? I would not have watched Origin this year. And I'm being upfront and honest because, let's be honest, unless Queensland wins the Origin series, whoever cares about it? Whoever gives a rat's backside? If New South Wales win, then the next year we win again. The third year, everyone just expects New South Wales to win. That's exactly what happened this year. Everyone just expected New South Wales to win. And probably... With the players, you know, you look at the two teams, that you know, that's a fair bet. You should have they should have won. And yet, they come out and they don't. Now, the first game I watched because my son Josh wanted to watch it, and that's fine. So I sat there and watched it with him. Not happy with the way the team performed, not happy with some of the refereeing, got through the end of the game, Queensland win. Okay. The second game I did not even watch. Now, Josh went and watched it in the other room. New South Wales get up. This could be my fault just by starting saying this. I'm just thinking about this. The reason we lost was because of me. And the New South Wales win the second game, which I did watch the highlights of. Third game, Josh again wants to watch. I said, yep, okay, we'll watch the decider. So we do. And then we lose again. Now, I only watched half of the game. And I'm telling you right now, when you get to a point where a decision is made by the referees and by the officials on the field, where... A ball is hits the hand of a player and goes down to the ground. It is called a knock-on 99.9% out of 100 every single time. It's a knock-on. It's called a knock-on. And yet, in origin, it was not knocked on and Queensland scored from it. That's when I turned the TV off because I don't need to put myself through this kind of crap. Now, you can watch that again, and you can say the ball went backwards, and that's fine. If the ball goes backwards, that's fine. But why is it that every other time in every other game, that's called a knock-on, but in this case, it wasn't? That's what annoys me. Um, I'm sure there are other reasons. There's the At the end of the game, when uh, Addo Carr was taken out, when he was chasing the ball, looking for a penalty, try to save the game and all that kind of... There were enough incidences uh, in refereeing decisions that, uh, allow people like me to think that the game's a fix and that we're just going to make sure that Queensland win. Because now you look at Queensland, Queensland's won a State of Origin series. Everyone can say again it's the greatest win since 1995. Who would ever have thought this would happen? It's a miracle. So what happens next year? Oh, well, we better tune in and watch State of Origin again because we can't have Queensland winning again if you're from New South Wales. Or if you're from Queensland, you'll say, well, we won last year. Our team will be better next year. We'll win again. 
State of Origin only works when Queensland wins. When New South Wales win, and if New South Wales win two years or three years in a row, no one cares. No one watches. So a Queensland winning, does that bring viewers back in next year, hoping for the best for Brisbane and for Gold Coast and for North Queensland as well? My word, it does. It gives them something to hold on to after a really crap year for Queensland football. If it's a fix, well, I wouldn't be a little bit surprised. Thanks for tuning in. A couple of podcasts this week. I had a bit to get off my mind with sport here today, so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to record another one and let everyone get to it when they can. Um, sport's always fun to talk about, isn't it? There's always controversy. There's always opinions. Uh, I'm sure that for each of the things I've brought up today, there are people who think opposite. Maybe not about the Collingwood uh, trade sort of situation. Again, everyone thinks that's a completely fucked up bloody attitude. But anyway... Um, again, thanks for tuning in and, uh, look forward to your company again next time. Cheers.